0: All right, so today is the last day of our marriage series. First week, we talked about the four horsemen of the apocalypse of your relationship, and it, it's actually all science, so if you, if you didn't see the first week, I want to encourage you to just to go back and get the video. Uh, science, psychology, has proven there are four things that will destroy a marriage with 90% accuracy. And so we, brought, we introduced that to you, and we we're teaching in on it, and we're showing it how it all lines up biblically, so get, get lesson one. And then last week, we talked about what are the three things that we can do to save it, to combat these negative forces, actually these negative spiritual principalities that are out to destroy your marriage or any relationship. But today, it's a little bit different. Because today I want to give you a vision for your relationships, a vision for your marriage. My, my hope, my, my, my desire, my dream for our couples in this church is that you end up like these old people someday. Like that should be the vision. You should, you should have that type of a, of a desire, of a goal that like someday I'm going to grow old with this individual and we will be happy and again, it, it's, it's biblical. So today we're going to give you some vision for your relationship. Something to actually shoot for. And it, it will be a healing day. It's going to be a day where we invite the Holy Spirit into our relationships. We are going to surrender. I'm going to, well, I can't make you surrender to God, but... I want to encourage you to do so because sometimes we just, we're just always hitting up against the wall and we're trying to figure out what's wrong when usually the case what is wrong is us. So we're going we're gonna to allow the Holy Spirit to heal us and to make us whole, maybe to fix some brokenness that's inside of us today because, uh, frankly, um, you can go to Barnes & Noble and get a self-help book on how to have a good marriage. You can go to a marriage conference, and it could be a Christian one or a secular one, and they're going to teach you the same stuff. But you came to church today to encounter God, to have God speak into your life. I hope so, because we're that type of church. We're the type of church that allows God to come into every bit, every nook and cranny, every pore, every, every bit of our being and so that we are transformed from the inside out. And so I just, don't want to, I just don't want to prevent divorce in our church. That's not my goal. Obviously, it should be a goal. But my goal is to see heaven transform your marriage and your family. To make this a divine, a divine encounter. A divine union. Not just the contract, right? So we all have, if you're married, we might, we might have a piece of paper and it's the contract. If you got married in Las Vegas, you need to redo it. I'm dead serious. I am dead serious. I will marry you today if you got married in Vegas. And if you got married 50 years ago, I will still marry you. I will perform your wedding. Let me rephrase that. I don't need another wife at this moment. <laughs> all right, so here's the thing. Um, we go into relationships for, well, our culture today goes into relationships for all the wrong reasons. You remember the, the cute Chinese couple that just got married or that would been married for, what, 50 years? That was an arranged marriage. We don't do that anymore. Uh, in biblical times, that is what you did. They got married because somebody arranged it because it wasn't necessarily beneficial for you. No one cares about what you want. You got married because of the family and the family name. This whole idea of romantic relationship, of of I'm going to follow my heart and and marry the one I love, that is somewhat of a modern invention. Uh, You know, the... They say that it came up in, in medieval times with chivalry and stuff like that. So, but the whole idea that you just you're just led with your heart and you marry whoever you want to be—it's somewhat of a new thing. I'm not saying that it's not biblical. I'm just saying there's our perception of why we actually go into unions is, is a little bit skewed. Um, if you look at our current situation, our current cultures, and you think about what's the what's the show on TV where people get married that was The Bachelor and The Bachelorette and stuff like that. That's just so ridiculous. It's almost like a downright perversion. It's it's because there is not a... It's all about the individual and how that individual will make the other person happy. One of the biggest lies to our culture uh, was given by Tom Cruise... He's given us a few, I think. But in Jerry Maguire, in the movie Jerry Maguire, I remember the romantic scene with him and Renee Zellweger, and he says, you complete me, you complete me. And she says, oh, you had me at hello. It's, just, it's, it's really sweet, it's really sappy. Part of it's true, because we are talking about this idea of becoming one flesh, the two becoming one, which is a huge thing. But the other part of that dysfunction of you complete me says I'm not a complete person unless I have somebody else validating me and the Christian faith is completely different because all of our validation all of our identity comes from Jesus and so this is what we need to get into yes I want you to become one flesh it's where it's not about does your spouse make you happy or not the vision that we're going to go for is can you be a good team are you guys compatible? Are you guys good partners, or did you marry for advantage? This is this is this is kind of complicated. Why did you marry? Why did you pick the person that you that you wanted to pick? Well, was it because uh, they were going to complete you? They were going to give you security. They were going to give you purpose. They were going to so you wouldn't be alone. Some people are deathly afraid of being alone. I understand that fear. And then they marry for the wrong reasons. It's because they don't want to be alone. Sometimes people marry arm candy. Like it's not necessarily about what the other person brings. It's how the other person looks. right? When we started this series, I opened up to the The fact, the transparent fact that my wife and I still go to marriage counseling. I don't have a problem saying that in front of you guys. And and the reason why, you're probably why? why is Pastor Josh and Pastor Mako going to marriage counseling? That's kind of scary. Well, the reason why is because Mako's motivations for marrying was wrong. (laughs) She's like, "It's it's because of the whole, it's because of this. It's all of this. It's... She wanted, um, she wanted that arm candy by her side, and I'm just tired of being Mako's boy toy all the time, and I'm so tired of being objectified, and, and so we go to counseling for these things. This is why we go. Okay, so, I know, well, thank you, thank you. I want to encourage everybody, here's the vision today, you go into a marriage, you go into any close relationship with the sole purpose of partnership. What I have is hers. My body is hers. Our banking accounts, they are ours. It's not my account, it's not her account, it's our account. Uh, I drive the blue car, she drives the gray car, but they're both our cars. This is our house. Um, my career is actually my spouse's career. It's not my career. She doesn't add to my career. She doesn't add to my identity. We are, we are the unit. We are, the, we are the, the, the package. Does that make sense? So with this one, with that one tweak, you, you begin to shed all selfishness. Because I think selfishness is pretty much one of the main killers. We get so self-consumed, we think, we think that that individual should be meeting our needs when in fact the perception should be, okay, how as a couple, how do we move forward into what God has designed for us as a unit? How do we move forward? Uh, some of the great scriptures on unity. It's Proverbs, of course. You know what? Let's do Ecclesiastes first. Let's do Ephesians first. Last week we read Ephesians 5, and uh, it, it's, a huge, it's a huge bit on love and respect. Wives, respect your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Is the, it's so fascinating that the things that we can understand psychologically, the ancients figured out in the first century. What men really desire and need and crave is for our spouses to respect us. And what wives really need is to be validated through love and affection and affirmation. So it's just, there's nothing new under the sun, as, as Solomon said. And again, in Ecclesiastes, he says this. A person standing alone can can be attacked and can be defeated. But two, when they stand back to back, they conquer. And so in your marriage, I want you to begin to think, okay, my wife has my back, or my husband has my back. And then you need to ask yourself this question, do I have my spouse's back? That is so crucial, that, that we... We, we quit fighting our spouse, and we begin to fight with our spouse. Do you, you know the difference? It seems as if in the home environment, we are always fighting our spouse. When in fact, God is calling, his vision for us is to fight together, to, to, to team up, and to overcome the obstacles of life. And this is what Paul says in Ephesians. He says, This is a great mystery. And he says it's an illustration on the way that Christ and the church are one. But Paul says, This marriage thing, this relationship thing, this man and wife, this one flesh, it is a mystery. It is a great mystery. And that's Paul's nice. Wa- that's, that's Paul's nice way of saying, "It's complicated," right? Uh, if you, if this is what, this is a term that we throw around in our culture quite a bit. How are you doing? How's your relationship? How's it going with your kids? How's it going in your marriage? And what do we say? We say it's complicated, right? It's because we're so complex, and all the issues are they're really hard to even. For us to even understand what's wrong. And so, the best way, the best response that we have is to say, Well, it's complicated. Paul says, It's a mystery. So, let me give you a little, a little, bit, a little help. So, if somebody asks you, How's your relationship going? How's it going? Uh, how are things in your life? And you're tempted to say, It's complicated. Let's just take the spiritual high road. No. Uh, let's <laughs> let's over spiritualize it and say, It's a mystery. And then to make yourself super spiritual, quote the scripture reference. Ephesians 5, 32. It's a mystery. And so marriage is a mystery. And it is an illustration how, how Jesus loves his bride, the church, which is us. Okay? All right, so when, we are, when our two stand together, they are strong. And in Ecclesiastes, when he says that, okay, we get the idea that two stand together, they're strong. Paul, this might be encouraging if you've, uh, if, you're, if you've had a relationship go south, Paul was most likely divorced. We don't know for sure, we're reading between the lines, but in order to be a rabbi, you had to be married. So his wife probably left him when he fell in love with Jesus. It's speculation, but it's most likely what happened. And Paul even says... You guys need to marry so that you do not fall to temptation, right? Remember this verse? So that you don't burn with passion. It's better to marry than to burn with passion. But he says, but if you can, it is actually better to be alone, to be single. And so for all of our single people that have chosen singleness, I salute you. You and Paul have chosen the easier way, not the easier way, but the better way. You're able to devote yourself to God. You're able to devote yourself to the church in ways that a married couple can't necessarily do. But the purpose of the couple, they're not going to be effective unless they work together. And then the Ecclesiastes verse goes a little bit further, and he says, a a, a cord with three strands is is uneasily broken. So I'm going to push the text a little bit uh this isn't necessarily well i 'm just going to make it scriptural, but if we have if we 're two together, the only way that we can continue to remain strong is that we invite Jesus into our relationship, and the three the 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 cord of three the braid of three cannot be broken, and our the, one of the reasons why Christian marriages fail at the same rate as secular marriages is this very one reason. is because they're not centered up on Christ. They don't have Jesus as the center and, of, and, and, and giving them vision for the future. They have not surrendered to Jesus and letting Jesus lead that relationship. Christ is the head of the church. He is the head of the body. He should be the head of the marriage. It's all a big giant illustration of the church. So we need to allow Jesus to come into those relationships. All right. Now here we go. Proverbs twenty-eight, eighteen. Where there is no vision, people perish. But he that keeps the law is happy. All right. It's a big verse. It's actually one of the verses that, that we need to begin to uh, live out in our daily lives. Like, if you don't have a vision for your future, if you don't have God's divine perspective, it says that God's people will perish. That's, a, that's pretty heavy, right? Right? well, I just thought I had to follow all the rules. I just had to do the five-point sermon and then, and then the four-point sermon, make sure I get these things checked off and then I'll be fine, right, Josh? I don't think so. I think maybe if you apply the principles that we hit on last week and the week before, if you apply those biblical principles, like you can maybe pull it off, but if you don't have vision for the future of your marriage, you're going to perish. Whether you're successful or not, you'll perish. Because God wants to give us his vision for your future. Let me read this verse in a couple of different translations. I believe that that was the NIV. When prophecies shall fail, people shall be scattered. But he that keeps the law is blessed. So this is a more of an accurate translation. When prophecy fails, people scatter. This is the, the YLT version. Without a vision, people are made naked. That's an interesting one, right? Especially if we refer, refer back to Genesis. Uh, how do they know that they sinned? They were uncovered, and, well, they were already uncovered. They recognized that they were naked. Adam and Eve recognized that they were naked, and they, they had the shame come upon them. They lost contact, or they had lost the vision of God. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. So, this is what we're going to do today, because I can't. I can't. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And so, this is what you need to get when you come to church. You need to get prophetic vision. Because if you don't, you're going to fail. Let's just say it's not even in your relationship. Let's just say it's for your future. Let's just say it's for your career. Let's just say it's for your job, for your finances. If you don't have prophetic vision, uh, what does it say? You'll be scattered. You'll be divided. So if you and your spouse don't have a vision, a prophetic vision from God of what your marriage will look like in the future, you'll be divided. So what God is saying today is get on the same page spiritually, basically. It's difficult to do. It's very difficult to do, but it is by far one of the most powerful things that the church can do is when a couple begin to minister together. Jesus was teaching, um, we're not quite sure exactly uh, the the chronology of this, um, but when Jesus was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, thousands of people were there, and they began to hear him echo Genesis one, and, and God made man in His image, male and female. He created them, and so we have been made into the image of God. And Jesus begins to teach this in His sermons, and Jesus begins to out. He begins to heal the sick, and Jesus commissions his disciples, to change the world. It's not in the Bible, but it is in um, church tradition. In church tradition, probably at the Mount of Olives, definitely at the feeding of the 4,000 and the feeding of the 5,000, and definitely at at the commissioning, of this, of when Jesus sent out, he did it several times, but in this particular sense, in this particular case, when he sent out the 70, he taught them, he sat them down, he taught them these principles of the kingdom, of the kingdom of God inside of you and the kingdom of God at hand, and that you are made in God's image and that everybody is equal. I know that that doesn't seem necessarily fair, but that is true spiritually. Maybe you're not equal physically, maybe you're not equal uh, mentally, whatever, but spiritually, God sees everybody as equals. There's no male, nor female, nor Jew, nor Greek, nor slave, nor master. Everybody is equal in God's eyes. And so this is what he just begins to teach about the kingdom of heaven and the advancement of the kingdom of heaven. And when kingdom of heaven comes in, it is transformational. And so as he's teaching this, there's two people in the crowd, and their lives are dramatically changed. And usually when we think about the 70 being sent out, he sends them out two by two, right? How many people just think in your mind's eye, it's just two dudes, right? Right? It's just two ornery guys that are out to mix it up. You know, they got these evangelist, you know, bents. Well, church tradition tells us that most likely one of the two was Priscilla and Aquila. And if you don't know who they are, let me give you a little bit of a history. Priscilla and Aquila were... We know that Aquila—he's the guy, obviously. Aquila was a Jew. He says uh, in, the Bible, in Acts, it says that Aquila was a Jew from Pontus, and they lived in Rome. And Aquila—excuse me—Priscilla lived in Rome too, and so she does not get the title of being a Jew. And so, by by deduction, they think that she was probably a Gentile that she was not of Jewish origin. Uh, Her name might tend to think that maybe she was a, a nobility of some sort. But together, this couple heard the words of Jesus and it seeped down inside of them. It's not in the Bible again. It's speculation. It's church history. We don't know for sure. But we can use our imaginations, right? But what we do know is that they together in Rome were persecuted under the, under the Emperor Claudius. He tortured Jewish Christians. And he dispersed them all. So we know for a fact that this couple faced hardship. Like the very threat of their life, and they stuck it out and they stayed together. They meet the Apostle Paul, and they actually bring him in to their house for over a year. And again, it's kind of hard to read between the lines, but we actually think that Priscilla and Aquila taught Paul. We know for a fact that Priscilla and Aquila taught Apollos. Apollos was, uh, he, was the, he was the kid that graduated from Harvard Divinity School. He was smart, he was good looking, he knew how to speak, he knew the scriptures inside and out, and in Acts it says that Priscilla and Aquila taught Apollos the better way of grace. Basically, they, they kicked the religion out of him. And Apollos goes on to be one of the great evangelists of the New Testament. Paul even says, when I greet you, and and, and among you is going to be Priscilla and Aquila, and you need to honor that couple, that unit. Isn't this cool? Okay, maybe you don't get it. This is first century, folks. This is in the time of arranged marriages, This is in a time when you did not marry for love, you did not marry for necessarily purpose, you married for position and entitlement. And in Roman society, uh, it varies degree to degree, but basically women were property. This is a big deal because They are recognized as being Priscilla and Aquila, not Aquila and his wife. Priscilla and Aquila did these things. Priscilla and Aquila had church inside of their home. Paul says, Priscilla and Aquila, and it literally comes out this way, Priscilla and Aquila saved my neck. They risked their very life to save me. This is what Paul says. This is why they need to be honored. So this is amazing. For me, this is an amazing thing, because in this context, we have one of the very first snapshots. And I wish that they wrote a marriage book, but we have the very first snapshot of what a Christian couple does. They serve. They were. They were both tent makers. So they actually worked together. They were a team, they were a unit. But they were also a ministry team together. And they they went through so many hard trials. They got kicked around, they got moved around, they got threat of death and they still stayed together. They had a vision for their relationship and it was ministry minded. This is where I'm going to challenge you. This is where I'm going to push on you so hard today. Is your relationship ministry-minded? Is God at the center of your focus? Is he at the center of your vision? Do you allow him to take control? Do you have the same desires and fears and hopes and ambitions to advance the kingdom of heaven with your spouse? You should. Well, they're just not on the same level as I am. Again, back to last week, don't judge them. Don't have a superiority complex. They are, no matter where they're at spiritually or morally, God has called you together for a specific reason and for a specific purpose. So I want to encourage you, instead of fighting that, allowing God to come in and to minister and to lead and to guide you into health. I don't think that the church would have taken off like rapid fire if it wasn't for Priscilla and Aquila. I think it was God's desire that every relationship in his body would would be like that, where people would recognize them and see them as equals. I um, I love you guys that have like joint Facebook accounts. So where it's like, I know we don't have it, but let's just I'll use it myself as an example. So if my Facebook account wasn't Joshua Kapczynski, which it is, but let's just say it was Josh and Mako, right? Because what does that begin to tell the culture? It begins to tell that no, I'm not an individual. I'm we are a unit. We are together. Some of you have uh, individual email ac- or joint email accounts. Uh, the noises is Mike and Kim Noise at gmail.com. I just gave away their email, sorry. <laughs> um but you see, that, that begins to tell you what the, the heart of, of the person is. You put the other person above your own needs, above your own interests, above your own identity. You begin to see that we, the two are one flesh. And that is God's desire for you and your relationship today. All right. If I get the band to come up to the front. And what we're going to do, um, we're just going to wait on the Lord now. Because I know that there is brokenness in relationships. Like, I don't need a special word from the Lord to know this. There is huge amounts of dysfunction in in any relationship, in all of our relationships. And God wants to heal it today. Again, we can go to to Barnes Noble and we can get the self-help books. We can go to a marriage counselor, which I recommend highly that you do. But at the same time... When you do those things, you're just focusing on the two. And right now, we want to focus on the three. We want to invite the Holy Spirit to come into our relationships. And when he does, he's, the Holy Spirit is the best counselor that you can buy. And actually, the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as the great Counselor. What the Holy Spirit does to me in seasons when I think that it's all Mako's fault. When they're like, all right, honey, we're going to counseling because you need help. Right? Whenever those things come up, sometimes I pray dumb prayers like, Holy Spirit, just reveal yourself to me. And He does. Those are kind of scary prayers to pray. We pray them sometimes haphazardly, but Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, He'll take them seriously. So if you say, Holy Spirit, come into my heart and reveal things to me that I need to work on, He's going to do it. Sometimes it's very painful. God wants your marriage to not only just be healthy with a healthy skill set, but He also wants it to be ministry-minded and empowered by the Holy Ghost. and you can have a vision for it. In your mind's eye, you can actually see your idealized relationship. Where it's not about, does this person meet my needs? Are they the eye candy? Are they the security that I want? No, but God's gonna begin to move you into this area that you two are equal partners with different skill sets. And the Holy Spirit's going to begin to develop both of you so that you can become a stronger team. Does that sound like a good idea? All right. Let me pray for you. And we're going to do what Proverbs said. Without prophetic vision, people get divided. The prophetic gift is given to the church to strengthen the church. And so we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to come and minister to us in the prophetic don't don't, don't don't be worried. It's not going to get too weird with the exception of the snakes that I'm going to pull out of the back. And Just let God speak to you today through that spirit of prophecy that will give vision for any situation that you're going through. So just bow your heads, close your eyes because we just need to allow God to begin to work on us. And I want you to I want you just to clear your mind of all distraction. I want you to clear your mind of uh, even those things that your spouse does that annoys you. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, okay, God, you need to work on this person. Now, God wants to work on you right now. So we just say, come, Holy Spirit. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I just want you to be vulnerable and trust in the Lord. Trust that God is going to speak to you right now because that's why you came to church. You came to church to hear God's voice. And he is going to speak into your mind right now. I just want you just to breathe in the Holy Spirit, allow him to come in, don't resist him, don't quench him, don't grieve him. Just allow God to come in and minister to your heart. I want you to take your hand because there's a healing presence of God in the room today. And God heals physical bodies, we see that all the time in this church. That's not just hyperbole. God is a living and active God. He just healed somebody yesterday in the hospital. So I want you just to place your hand on your heart, because not only does God heal physical bodies, He heals broken hearts, and He's going to heal your broken heart. And the brokenness for some of us didn't start in our relationship with our spouse. The brokenness began in childhood. And so today, God is going to heal that brokenness in childhood, that dysfunction that was brought into the marriage. The marriage didn't create the dysfunction. The, the, the spirit was brought in. And so God is going to heal that, that kid. And then once you're done, you're done. And you just move from glory to glory and you never have to worry about getting healed again in that that sense. Because today you're going to be a new creation. And so where there was a, a deep hurt when your parents divorced and you've carried that resentment not only towards the opposite sex, not only towards your parents, but you've carried that resentment towards God because you know, the, the perfect couple got divorced. So God is gonna heal you right now of that of that hurt, that past hurt. Some of us are dealing with the very fallout of divorce. Like, it's a real thing. It's a real struggle. It's a real battle. You've, you've, you've buried one marriage already, and maybe you're working on another one, and you're thinking to yourself, I'm just not going to get this. I'm so broken and messed up. And what God is saying right now, for those that have failed in divorce, he's saying that you need to, you need to get off yourself. You need to get off your own back. You need to quit beating yourself up. You need to quit seeing yourself as the divorcee. You need to begin to have a vision for your own personal life. Because God is going to be giving you hope right now, a hope for the future. And some of us are saying to ourselves, you know what, it's just over and God's saying, "No, it's not." There are marriages in the room where you're just saying to yourself, "It's over," but you didn't bother asking God if it was over. And so He's saying, "No, it's not over yet." And some of us that are single, God's saying, "Don't give up hope." Like there's specific, there's specific, uh, specific case where God brought the individual. And it it was an answer to prayer and it seemed as if you two were going to be one flesh but the other individual decided to choose sin instead of choosing surrender. And what Jesus is saying to you right now is, is that it is okay, allow it to be well with your soul. I am more than adequate. I am more than enough. You do not need that individual to complete you. I can complete you. Don't allow your heart to grow hard. The Lord is also speaking to somebody today where... The career is the main conflict. Where there's just not agreement on the career path, on the career choice. Where the spouse, the husband wants to take the job, but the wife is like, I don't really think so, but honey, you just do whatever you think you need to do. Uh, I want to, I want to allow you to have conflict and have disagreement but I wanna encourage you to be a team in this next decision that you make in your life. This is a big deal, and you guys need to be on the same page, and there needs to be peace in your home. So what God is saying to you that is making that very powerful, life-changing decision that revolves around a career, what he is saying is it's now time to ask me to actually literally, as a couple, to get on your knees together and say, God, is this from you? Is this your will? And God will reveal to you through the very presence of peace if the decision is right or not. So once again, I want you just to focus on one thing. Focus on the counselor speaking directly to you. It could be in how you vision what Jesus looks like speaking to you. It can be the Holy Spirit speaking to you if you feel comfortable with that. And he's going to begin to highlight specific things. He's going to begin to give you answers to your problems. Um, and the, you, you'll see it. You'll, you'll see the problem lift off. And there will be a burden that will be taken off of your sh- shoulders. You're going to have peace about the situation because you've invited the Holy Spirit to come in. There's some people that are dealing with pain so deep and so hard, and it's not necessarily a relationship pain. It's just, life is just dang hard right now. And God is saying, don't give up on each other, lean on one another. This too shall pass, this too shall pass, this too shall pass, that's what God's word is to you. So some of you are, you are actually functioning as a Priscilla and an Aquila, where there is going to be hardship and persecution and difficult times where people are going to abuse you, take advantage of you, kick you out, try to kill you. And what God is saying, is saying, these momentary tribulations are nothing compared to God's glory in this next season. So begin just to allow yourself to develop a ministry mindset for your marriage. This too shall pass. We're going to go into a time of worship. We're going to allow God to continue to speak to us. I want you to again to open up your mind's eye and let God speak to you and give you specific answers. And if you feel like God gave you a specific answer, I, you need to check it with your spouse. You need to say, this is what I think God told me. What do you think? Have that conversation today at lunch. Heavenly Father, right now, I just pray that you will bless our relationships, that you will, you will uh, give us the ability to say that we are on the same team that we're not fighting each other, that we are unified, that we have allowed you to come into our lives, that you've, you're intertwined, you are that third grade that cannot be broken. So God, right now, we just bless Granite Creek, we bless our marriages, we bless our future marriages, those that are, that it's not even on the radar right now. God, I pray that there will be seed planted in the heart today that will produce a healthy relationship in the future